Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. If you're like me, you groan under the weight of the level of evil and corruption in the USA and throughout many areas of the world. You know, it's as though a thick, dark cloud has increased to the point of size that it almost completely blots out the sun. Now, as Christians, we long for a respite. We desperately look for justice. Unfortunately to us, it seems as though justice is the furthest thing from happening. And aside from everything we have previously highlighted here on Study Grow Now, that works against the global economy. There is this constant growth and display of moral depravity and decay that has deeply affected many of us with a type of lassitude. We're tired, we're fatigued, we're fighting against listlessness. We experience diminished energy that affects us to our bones, though we try to keep looking up. And aside from all the truth coming out about the pandemic, its origins, and the deliberate healthcare mistakes, as well as the struggling economy, the Bidens and other politicians are free to continue doing what they want to do. Well, according to Marco Polo and their Telegram channel, and I've got a link for that in the transcripts, which has published a full downloadable copy of the Hunter Biden laptop contents, you know, the one that 50 top-tier people in D.C. said was Russian disinfo, but it wasn't, and it's not. It uh, It's clear that Hunter lived outside the law and not only got away with it, but was rewarded handsomely for his efforts to the tune of millions of dollars. Now, along with Father Joe and other members of the Biden clan, they also benefited monetarily. Much of what Hunter allegedly did was with foreign governments in exchange for access to Joe, first as vice president and then as president. Hunter apparently had dealings also with President Xi of China, who wanted to buy or invest in an energy company in the USA. Here's breaking news from um, another channel, another source on the Internet. Breaking, President Joe Biden's brother, James Biden, told FBI agents that Hunter Biden and the Biden family attempted to help a Chinese energy company purchase U.S. energy assets while believing the Chinese company's chairman was directly tied to Chinese President Xi Jinping. And there's a link for that as well. There's a lot more detail on the link. So much is literally out in the open with nothing being done to deal with it that, frankly, moral people have grown weary. We wonder why God seems to be doing nothing at all. Is he blind? Is he deaf? Is he completely unconcerned about all the corruption throughout our government that is seemingly purposefully destroying America with the same thing happening in other countries throughout the world? Why does God seem so silent and without concern? Well, when we turn to the prophet Habakkuk, we get our answer. The book of Habakkuk is composed of three short chapters. Robert Lee, in his The Outline Bible, breaks it down like this. The first conversation, Habakkuk 1, 1 1-4. Lord's neglect of the prophet's prayers and apparent indifference to sin and suffering. God's reply Habakkuk 1, 5-11. He was about to do something incredible. 
God would use the Chaldeans to chastise Israel for their sin. And God gives a graphic sketch of the Chaldeans. The second conversation, Habakkuk 1, 12 to 2, 1, the prophet declared his difficulty to believe that the eternal and holy God could chasten a sinful people by a people more sinful and permit them to catch men as fishes when they glorified themselves. In essence, the prophet's patience was failing. God's reply, Habakkuk 2, verse 2 through 20. God told the prophet to write very plainly what God was about to say. What God was about to do would come to pass. Those counted righteous through their faith would be preserved from those terrible sorrows. And then God gives five woes against the Chaldeans. Finally, the prophet's hymn and doxology in chapter 3 of Habakkuk. Habakkuk prays that God would revive his delivering grace and that in the execution of judgment, he would remember mercy. Then Habakkuk gives a description of the majesty of the Lord at Sinai and in going before Israel to possess Canaan. Remembering all of this brings rest to the prophet's soul as well as a renewed confidence in God. Okay, that is, in a nutshell, the entirety of the book of Habakkuk. I would encourage you to read it. Three chapters. And as I read through those three chapters this morning, I was struck with one thought. If God chose an evil foreign nation like the Chaldeans to chastise Israel for her sins, and this happened roughly five years after Habakkuk wrote, why would he not do the same with any nation that also adopted the same type of immoral standards. How can God continue to ignore what is happening in and throughout America? How can he simply turn his face away from the many continued egregious and moral failures of this country? Corrupt people in charge who at every turn chip away at the rule of law, have reduced America to virtual runes, morally, economically. These people don't care what happens to the average American citizen as long as they can enrich themselves. They are sold out to foreign interests and have no qualms about raking in millions for quid pro quo, which destroys the autonomy of the United States of America and makes life for people here misery. So what is God doing? Well, I've noted before that America is very likely on a collision course with God's judgment. And if that is the case, it is highly probable that God will use a foreign foe to chastise America. A foreign foe even more wicked than those who currently run America. Why would he not do this, considering that that's how he has meted out judgment in past history throughout Scripture. We read it over and over again, not just in Habakkuk. It is so clear from many instances in his word. Just look at the book of Daniel. Look at the book of Joel. Look at the book of Zechariah, etc. Ezekiel, Isaiah. While God made, he may solely judge America economically, that may be how he limits his judgment. I honestly believe that war may very well be a part of that picture, too. We're hearing all kinds of talk of war now. Everybody's ramping up for something. 
North Korea just changed its constitution to declare itself a nuclear country. So while the first two chapters of Habakkuk paint a dismal picture of Israel and her sins, as well as her coming judgment, it's also clear that God, because of it, was not blind to any of it. He kept track of it. He saw it. The nation of Israel had become exceedingly wicked because wicked people gained power and overruled God's moral code. They literally set it aside. Those powerful rulers, as well as the priests in the priesthood of the God Most High, consented to it and encouraged it among the people. And this was likely during the reign of King Jehoiakim, 609 to 598 BC, and during the decline of Judah, beginning with the death of King Josiah, 609 BC. Now, if America has become incorrigibly evil without restraint, where all sorts of sin and moral depravity are not only allowed, but encouraged and even celebrated, then how can America not receive God's judgment? I'd love someone to tell me that. How can we avoid God's judgment if we continue down that path? Do we really believe God will continue to do nothing? No, God is going to judge America for its underlying moral problem, and it will not be pretty but likely painful. God is fully aware of America's sins, but his seeming disinterest in doing anything, I want to say seeming, remember, I want to emphasize that word, his seeming disinterest in doing anything about it is really a sign of his grace and patience. We know he wants no one to perish, 2 Peter 3, 9. So because of his grace, He gives people time to see their error and repent of those errors. However, it often seems God is completely unconcerned about what ails the world when he's not. He is concerned. His grace and patience allows things to go for only so long, and then he takes definitive action. The prophet Habakkuk simply could not understand how God would use a ruthless and more evil nation like the Chaldeans or the Neo-Babylonians, to chastise the people, nation, God had personally created Israel. It boggled his mind until he heard from God. God essentially told Habakkuk that he was fully aware of just how wicked the Chaldeans were as a nation, which made them the perfect instrument for punishing Israel for her sins because they would show no mercy unlike God. The punishment the Chaldeans would inflict on the Israelites would be very difficult and very painful. Yet in spite of all this, God held out a promise to those within Israel who were faithful in relying on him. Habakkuk 2, 2-4. Let me read that for you. Then the Lord answered me, the prophet, and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. God would not ignore the faithful. That's what that last line says. He would preserve them in the midst of pouring out his judgment. Now, we're familiar with the statement, the truth, the just shall live by faith. 
Paul quoted it numerous times in the New Testament. The Reformation was based on this simple yet deeply profound truth. Authentic Christians saved by faith in our Lord's finished work on Calvary's cross and who who persevere in that faith will be preserved with whatever God has in store, not only for the USA, but for all the nations of the world. God will punish those who need punishment and preserve those who rely on his mercy. This is the clear message of Habakkuk's three short chapters. So as we focus on God's sublime care and concern for his own, his deep love for us, we should take great comfort in knowing that God preserves us in the midst of troubling times. In fact, God always preserves us, whether we're fully aware of that or not. He preserves us to the day when we will see him face to face, and he preserves us in the midst of all the trials that the enemy can throw at us that God allows. This does not mean that we ourselves will not experience difficulties or trials. It means we will experience those trials and difficulties, but not his judgment or his wrath. And he will make a way for us to continue to receive his blessings, even in the midst of his judgment that he's pouring out on the rest of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but my biggest difficulty is when I find myself losing sight of my faith, when difficult situations come my way. Some are of my own making and others simply occur. In either case, though, my responsibility is to do what Habakkuk the prophet did. That is to turn my attention from my trial and onto him who supports me, embraces me, hides me under his wing, and spiritually prospers and nurtures me. When I can do that, I begin to see the majesty of God, his all-surpassing greatness, and how he cares for my soul and my temporal needs. So according to Habakkuk, God will not allow me to go it alone. He's not going to pour out his judgment on me. He is always with me. He is always concerned for me and always has his best for me as well. So in the midst of coming judgment, whatever it turns out to be, whenever it happens, God extends mercy to those who love him, who are called by his name, and who are dedicated to serve him and follow him regardless of the temptations, the corruption, the moral depravity, and the evil of this world. The entirety of Habakkuk 3, if you read nothing else, just read that one chapter, but the entirety of Habakkuk 3 is the prophet's prayer of praise to Almighty God. The book of Habakkuk ends with these words, verses 17 through 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in my Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. May God grant us insight 
to embrace these same beliefs that we will deliberately turn from our difficulties in the days ahead to showering him with the praise that he fully deserves. I want to thank you for joining me today. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical conservative perspective. 